The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Jess Kelly, our technology correspondent, with me now to talk about two decades of Facebook in our lives, Jess, if you can believe it. It's a long time. I've been thinking about this over the last wee while. It's the longest digital relationship that I have in my life. I've been on this platform longer than I've been on any other platform. And we did a thing on my show a few months ago about Bebo. And I have a nostalgic grow for Bebo because it was a certain time in my life where that and MSN Messenger was the cornerstone of our online lives. You'd have to pick your top 16. It'd be very political. And I look back at it What's now. What's top 16? Oh, did you? Were you not big on Bebo? Uh, I, um, this was like I was having, on Bebo, but not big on Bebo. This was like having your own little general election with, amongst your friends every oh, single yeah, day. You, you could 16. update it. Okay. And you could rank your friends. And if someone annoyed you, you could bump them down your top 16. Oh, yeah, it was very, very, very mean. But so I, I look back on that very fondly. When I look back on Facebook, I kind of get like uncomfortable. It makes oh. me itch a little bit because I've been on the platform since I was 19. I joined when I was uh, in 2010. So I, I was in college, uh, just about to graduate, just about to start working here. And the way Facebook worked back then, it kind of forced you to post about yourself in the third person. So it's like... Jess Kelly is studying for her exams. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. And it's pure notions. Uh, there's so many bad, crappy quality photographs from the UCD Arts Block Canteen. <laughs> uh, and it, it, every thought that I had was stored there. But it was the place to be for people my generation and younger. So 2004, it has been around since February yeah. 2004, which is why we're talking about it. But I mean... Lots of people wouldn't have been on it back then. No, it very much... So in 2004, the premise and the whole thing with Facebook was just for Harvard. So yes. Mark Zuckerberg was studying there. Uh, there wasn't a centralised web portal for students to go on and look at photographs to see who was studying what and whatever. And he wanted to build this network. And bit by bit, it kind of caught on like wildfire and not only did it spread throughout Harvard, but also other uh, campuses as well. And within a matter of months, they had 100,000 uh, subscribers, which is bananas. Mm. By 2008, so four short years yeah. later, they had 100 million members. Okay. Which is madness when you think about it. I remember those early days of Facebook and the conversations being had about it were the conversations that people have had about other social media platforms since. And mm. it was, this is great, but how does Mark Zuckerberg monetize it? Yeah. How does he make anything from Facebook? And it kind of seems mental to think about now, given the phenomenal wealth of Mark Zuckerberg. But people wondered if he'd actually make any money. Yeah, and I think that's the, the funny thing. And the, from a business point of view, there was a lot of resistance to try and monetize Facebook. Uh, anyone who's seen The Social Network, which is one of the best films that has ever existed, tells the story. It's obviously a bit fictionalized, but you could see that Mark Zuckerberg was kind of allergic to the notion of having too many ads on it because he knew that people his around his age wouldn't want, wouldn't want to be bombarded. But bit by bit, the monetization happened. There's a brilliant piece by a journalist called Kari Doctorow and he describes what's called the eschitification of platforms. <laughs> right, okay. It's a technical term, so don't I can't get in trouble for saying it. But the idea is these giants build a platform that serve a purpose for the users. Users come flooding to it because it's great and all their friends are there. Then the business realizes they actually have to make money. 
And so the advertisers flock in. And then it's this balancing of a seesaw between keeping the users happy, keeping the advertisers happy. And in many cases, and I believe is the case with Facebook, everybody lands on their backside in the sand going, what the hell just happened? Because it makes it a very unattractive offering. Everyone listening now, take out your phone. If you're on Facebook, take out your phone, open the Facebook app. Okay. I have it here in my hand, right? And for me to see a post by somebody I know, a human being that I've spoken to or is my friend, it takes me one, two, three, four scrolls and then Andrea Gilligan pops up. But beyond that, I've got ads for Amazon. I've got uh, news articles. I've got other suggested pages. I've got an ad here for Ancestry.com. That's the way the platform has gone. What was and the premise, if you listened to Mark Zuckerberg right up to five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago now, it was all about connecting you with your friends and family. Mm. And at some stage, that scale shifted significantly to the point where the ads were more prominent than the connections that you had. And is that the model now? Is that is it the ads he makes money off on Facebook or the data harvesting? No. So the, the, the whole data, data harvesting thing is, it, we'll come to that in a second, but the advertising is a huge thing because okay. when you created a Facebook profile back in the day, yeah. and this is the bit that makes me itch because we were so naive. Mm. Signing up, as I did at age 19, I put in my full name, my date of birth, where I lived. I ticked boxes to say what my interests were. Mm-hmm. I checked in in certain locations. So if I was having a drink in a certain pub, I put up where I was educated. All of this information I handed over. And then if you were an advertiser and you were looking for a 19 year old who lives in Dublin, is a student, is this, that and the other, you could tailor make your ads and get them before my eyeballs. So it was a very lucrative offering from an advertiser's point of view. Now, Facebook, it is important to say it was never about Jess Kelly, this student. It was about, you know, user 1432 who ticks all these boxes. Yeah. But it was a massive platform for advertisers. It should be noted, and I know there's going to be a lot of bad stuff said about Facebook over the next wee while, but Facebook was a great and still is a great platform for small businesses. You know, when businesses didn't have websites, they could set up Facebook pages. Yeah, and still a lot of them do, like when they get going, you know. Uh, During the pandemic. towards a Facebook page, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's the good and the bad, but the, the advertising side of things is where they make an awful lot of money. The, the key date for me in the Facebook timeline, to use their yeah. own lingo, was in 2018, the day the Cambridge Analytica story broke. Okay, remind us of that. Okay, so this relates back to 2015, 2016 on the platform where a an organisation called Cambridge Analytica uh, was utilising data on the platform, not only the data of uh, an individual user who took part in this personality quiz, but also the friends of friends of that user. Mm, that was it. And a whole host of information became available. And the accusation and subsequent hearings were looking at the impact that the data harvested by Cambridge Analytica, the impact it had on the 2016 presidential election. Now, obviously, we don't need to run through all the ins and outs that happened there. But I have the clearest memories of that day when this story broke. And so many people sitting up for the first time going, hang on a second. Facebook has a lot of information about me. Yes. And then people had the nerve to ask, how did they get this information? And you (laughs) kind of sat back going, well, it's because you manually typed it in letter by letter. You didn't read the terms and conditions. You signed it all over. 
Now, absolutely, there were loopholes that shouldn't have been there. But I think, you know, when we look back in 10 years time, so looking back at 30 years of Facebook, that whole scandal around Cambridge Analytica will remain one of the biggest events in the world in terms of their story. So Facebook as well, I mean, it was heralded as one of the, the, the tools through which Barack Obama reached potential voters. Mm-hmm. And then that all got turned on its head with Donald Trump a few years later in the ways that it was used to kind of spread misinformation. And not, I'm not kind of necessarily accusing the former president uh, of that, but mm. certainly uh, there was allegations of kind of Russians being involved and spreading misinformation about the campaign. I mean, is it still like that today? Is there still a kind of a, a kind of a, a dark cloud hanging over yeah. Facebook because of that experience? I think so. I think the trust was absolutely impacted as a result of that. However, I would say and I would argue that a lot of the misinformation and disinformation was bubbling under the surface for quite a long time. You referred back to the campaign of Barack Obama. He was the first to utilise digital tools, including Twitter and other platforms, to really engage with a younger audience. And I think if we all lived in this, you know, lovely land of Tirnanog, uh, it would never have gone sinister. But it was only a matter of time before that happened. I think you're never more than two clicks away from mm. something sinister or something dodgy on any launch, like it, platform. It doesn't there, matter if it's just Facebook. Is there any sales pitch that you could make for people to sign up to Facebook today? People who've never signed up. I've, I've resisted it thus far. Why would I bother in 2024 opening a Facebook account? In Ireland in 2024, I would say no. Yeah. Now it's but in other countries, Facebook is the internet. A hundred percent. It's kind of like what we're seeing now with younger people with TikTok. So young people in, in on TikTok in this country will use TikTok as their source of entertainment, their source of news to find new music. And in certain parts of the world, uh, particularly in sort of uh, third world countries where, you know, the infrastructure may not be great. Facebook has done an awful lot of work to put infrastructure in place. There have been instances where they have given out mobile phones that just have the Facebook app on it. And that is the Internet. So while you and I might scoff and roll our eyes and talk about how we never use Facebook, there's still over three billion people using it. Like they have three billion active users on Mm. the platform. I personally don't utilise it. I don't think I could do a sales pitch as to why you should sign up to it today. However, I haven't deleted my profile. No. Um, If we are here in 10 years time talking about it, uh, will we be talking about the metaverse? Uh, Potentially. Like if Mark Zuckerberg gets his way, absolutely. But as I think I've said to you before, you know, the visions that these people have, and the same with Elon Musk, there's no question that these people are highly intelligent and great visionaries. But there are still issues on the Facebook platform that's been around for 20 years that haven't been sufficiently addressed. Things like online harassment, things like catfishing, as you spoke about earlier this hour, things like, you know, upsetting content appearing in the feeds of people who don't need or want to see it. And so I think before we get excited looking 10 years down the line at having this conversation in a virtual world, I'd much rather if they could just put manners on the platforms that exist at yeah, the moment. Yeah, I mean, if Facebook is such a rubbish experience at the moment, why would you want a more immersive version of it? Well, that's it. Like. you have to ask. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Jess Kelly, our technology correspondent. Jess, thank you very, very much uh, for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.